Welcome to So Unbecoming, a podcast for military spouses in the process of unbecoming one version of themselves in favor of another, looking to rejoin the workforce after time spent away supporting their families, the military, and its mission. We'll hear the unfiltered stories of spouses who have made or are making their way through the hiring and employment processes and hear from experts on a variety of job search and professional skills topics. I'm Jamie Muskoff, and I'm a Navy spouse who recently re-entered the workforce after a nearly six-year career gap, and I'm a student in the Doctor of Social Work program at the University of Southern California, Suzanne Dvorak Peck, School of Social Work. My mission is to advocate for all military spouses, to examine the complex culture and issues around male spouse employment, and to explore how people and organizations can work together to create better opportunities for military families who choose to pursue dual careers during active duty life. I'm so happy you're here. I'm incredibly grateful for your time. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to episode eight of So Unbecoming. First, I want to say a massive warm thank you to those of you who voted and shared my nomination for Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year. I am honored to have been voted the base winner for Naval Base Kitsap Banger. I appreciate you giving me just one more space where I can be a military spouse advocate. So thank you so much. Now, I am so excited to bring you this week's episode featuring my conversation with Air Force combat veteran, military spouse blogger, and podcast host, Amanda Huff. When I stumbled upon one of Amanda's most recent articles, I knew I had to have her on the show. She uses her voice to advocate for women veterans, and I could not appreciate her perspective on military spouse life more. She's amazing, so let's jump straight into my conversation with Amanda Huffman. So Amanda, help us get to know you a little bit better. Tell us who you are and where you're originally from and where you're living now. I'm a military spouse and an Air Force veteran and a mom of two boys. My husband is currently in the Air Force, and we've been married almost 12 years. Uh, I grew up in Fresno, California, Mm -hmm. and that's where I met my husband. We attended Fresno State together, and we did the ROTC program. Cool. And we've lived in New Mexico, Ohio. California again, and now we are currently in Virginia. Wow. Oh my goodness. So I, you have a blog called Airman to Mom, which I think is fantastic. When did you decide that you wanted to become a blogger and why did you decide to do that? I left the military when my first son was born. So it's about, well, it'll be six years in June. Mm-hmm. Um, And when I left, I thought that being a military spouse and a stay-at-home mom would be, like, the easiest, most boring (laughs) job in the world. And uh, it wasn't. It was really hard, and it was really frustrating. And I started to read a lot of blogs to find support from other moms. And one of the blogs I followed, they did this five-minute Friday. So every Friday, Mm -hmm. she'd throw out a prompt word. And then you would write for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think Luke was like four, somewhere between four and six months old. And I was like, if I can write for five minutes every week, I will be (laughs) an accomplished human being. So so I started doing that. And then I I think I did it for like a month straight. And I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed writing. And I enjoyed connecting with other people. And so I started Mm -hmm my blog. And I just came up with Airman the Mom because I had just left the Air Force and I was a mom. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's kind of how it started. It was just, 
I've always liked writing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I wrote letters home when I was deployed, and looking mm-hmm. back, I should have started a blog then. But Aww. I didn't really know what blogging was. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how it started. I just wrote five minutes once a week, and then it kind of grew. So it was a hobby, and now it's kind of like a hobby slash business. So I love that story. I love how you came to doing Airman to Mom. I relate to it completely because I'm not a veteran, but I used to work for the military as a civilian. And, um, you know, and then I became a stay at home mom. And I thought exactly like you did. I'm like, this job is going to be cake. <laughs> like, it's going to be great. And I'm going to, you know, I had, I had really wanted to be a stay at home mom for a long time. Um, you know, but I just thought, oh, it'll just be easy. And it became, you know, completely flipped my world upside down. And I also started blogging, um, as a result too, but mostly in relation to the act I was, I started to run. I taught myself how to run, um, and joined a running club and I'd never done that in my whole life. So my blog ended up being around that a bit. Um, so I totally get it. And I, I'm the same way. I love writing and it's always been something I wanted to do. And, you know, I think when you end up staying home, you're like, oh, I, I have a little bit of time. Like <laughs> I can make this five minutes happen to, to write here or there. So that's really cool. Um, so the way that I found you was a connection of mine had shared a piece that you'd written that I just, I, I, it completely resonated with me. I thought, oh my gosh, like I, I love this story and I loved you being a veteran and sharing the story. Um, you shared it on the militarywifeandmom.com um, blog, and it was called Being a Military Spouse Was Harder Than I Thought. Um, and your perspective is just so important and valuable because you were a veteran who became a military spouse. And, um, you know, I, I've heard so many military spouses say, you know, I really wish my husband or my wife knew what it was like to live life in my shoes. And the crazy thing is you, you have done exactly that. You right. lived in both worlds. So tell me more about that piece and why you wrote it. Well, the idea stemmed from when I was in the military, it was a lot easier to build my community and make connections because I would show up to work and the lieutenants and captains that were in my unit were the people that I would hang out with. And so it wasn't like I had to go look for friends. And then when we moved to LA, uh, that was the first time I moved as a military spouse. And Mm -hmm. it was really hard to like find people. And so then I went through the process and I made a really good community. And then this summer we moved to Virginia and I was like, okay, I did this. I was a military (laughs) spouse. I found friends. I know what to do. So I like joined mobs and I joined all these groups. And mm-hmm. I realized that a lot of what military spouses experience is luck and just meeting the right people at the right time. And mm-hmm. I even realized that I met my friends by randomly running into a girl at the gym who invited mm-hmm. me to the Bible study. And so mm-hmm. like reflecting on like, it's not like in the military, it's really easy. You just go to work and the people that you work with are your friends and not <laughs> like they're your best friends but it's just kind of like that's who you hang out with and that's yeah but when you're a military spouse you don't you don't have that I mean I've we've never lived on base but I feel like Mm -hmm. everybody has their lives going and like we're just in the community and it's hard to get connected with people and it's not like oh I've done this before now it's because people always are like oh well you move around a lot I'm like well yeah moving we've got the moving part pretty much figured out like how to (laughs) (laughs) but then like the making friends and then with having kids it getting harder um Mm -hmm. so that's and lauren really helped me with the article 
because I wrote an article and sent it to her and then she gave me some really good feedback on where I needed mm -hmm. to tell more of the story, which I wouldn't have done on my own because it wasn't really that easy to write about. And so <laughs> her push to get me to go deeper than I normally would have, I think mm -hmm. is why the article turned out um, the way that it did. And I was really grateful for her help. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, cause it, it, it is a good article. It really just, it just hits home in an emotional way, I think, more than just being like, oh, this is how my life is. It's like, no, really, like, <laughs> this is how life is. And this is how, you know, I, I mean, you went from having built in community at work. I think all of our active duty spouses, that's what they've got. Maybe not their same buddies from last time, but you know, you walk into work and you know, like, okay, these guys do the same job as me. <laughs> Yeah. or similar. And uh, we've got some things in common and hey, we can get along, you know, whereas if you're a military spouse, like you said, sometimes you live on base, sometimes you don't, um, you know, you sometimes you join organizations that are military related, and then they work out or they don't work out. And sometimes you randomly run into somebody at the gym. <laughs> you know, who knows? It's just kind of all over the place. So I, I love that you address that the, the difficulty in maintaining community and kind of building those connections. Um, when you're a spouse, how have you specifically tried to overcome those things as a military spouse? Like, what are your best strategies? And in the process of writing the article, like, did you guys talk a little bit about that and try to get at those? Or was it more about like, just talking about the challenge? Uh, I tried to write like general things that happened. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I want to know your story. And I was like, <laughs> but then I have to like, think about and that's when I realized that I met my friend, randomly at the gym and mm -hmm. that she was like the key to connecting me with all of her friends and like if she hadn't reached out I don't I don't know if I would have I might have found them but maybe not as quickly but I just got really lucky that she had a kid the same age as mine and she saw the bag tag from the church that we attended and she was brave enough to reach out to me mm -hmm. and even here in L I'm not in LA here in Virginia <laughs> uh, my closest friend Met, she reached out to me at the bus stop because her daughter's in kindergarten, my son's in kindergarten, and she was brave enough. And I had been like, I probably should talk to her, but <laughs> she um, reached out to me. And so I think mm -hmm. it's being brave and mm -hmm. overcoming the fear that we all have, I think, because you like you have to put yourself out there. And that's like the hardest part. Mm -hmm. I feel in the military, it's kind of like safer because, you know, everybody who is at work, who's in the military with you is like probably not living near their family, probably doesn't have a good like it's, you know, you they right. wear it. They're wearing their uniform. But like in civilian clothes, you don't know, like, has this person grown up here their whole life and they already mm -hmm. have their people or, you know, and I kind of had guessed she was a military spouse because I saw her wear a military hat. And mm -hmm. that was like my only clue that she was military, but <laughs> it's not, it's not as easy. I don't think in that sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, haven't, I, like I haven't quite figured it out. I think a lot of it is luck and just being willing to put yourself out there. Yeah, sure. And I love that you brought up that it's also 
it's like making room for people, right? And being able to like be brave enough to to approach other people. Because some people I know in military spouse community are just fearless. Like they're, and I am not, I am a complete introvert. I am very uncomfortable walking up to people being like, hi, what's your name? (laughs) That's totally not me. And so I'm so grateful for for the military spouses who are like, hey, what's your name? (laughs) What's going on here? What do you do? Um, but also, you know, even if you are the, on the introverted side, you, you also have to be willing to make space for people in your life. And um, I think that's such a, that is a, a good, I don't know if it's a strategy, but it's definitely a good kind of mindset to have when you're going from place to place and and trying to keep those um, connections. One of the things that I realized is that I'm like, I got really close to the friends in LA, so I'm still connected to them. And sometimes I can get in the mindset of like, oh, I have friends online that I talk to, or I talk to them back home. Like, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I don't need friends here <laughs> because I'm an introvert too. And so I'm like, I, I have people. And it's like, <laughs> those people are on the other side of the country. You yeah. have to like find people here because at some point your husband's going to be TDY and you're going to call your friend at midnight because your kid's sick (laughs) and you know, the people in LA can't do anything but pray for you. And that doesn't really, I mean, it helps, but it's not like, it's not picking up some Tylenol because you can't leave the house. Yeah, completely. I totally get that. Oh my gosh. So you also podcast and I love that you do that. Um, and I love that you focus specifically on sharing veteran stories, women veteran stories, um, which I, I he, living here in Washington, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of women veterans, um, you know, just who are now my peers. And I just, I learned so much from them. And some of them are also military spouses, some not, but I just think women veteran stories are so powerful. So what made you decide to start podcasting and doing that? Um, it's kind of like a weird story. So I had this idea. I did 31 days of deployment stories in 2017. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked because most of the people who responded were women not most, like all of them, except for <laughs> except for two. That one of them that I like personally reached out, but one like random person was a male, and the rest of them were all women. And I was like, oh yeah, women they they deploy too, and I deployed. <laughs> so like obviously, I just I don't know. I was having like, but then I I was so fascinated by their responses and their stories and the information that they shared, mm-hmm. and that I wanted to do the series again, but just focus on women and not have it just be on deployments. And I started collecting the stories, um, written interviews, but then with the move and the work that goes into doing like 31 days of stories, I was mm-hmm. talking to my friend um, who's also a blogger, and she's like, why are you torturing yourself? Why don't you just do like one story a week in 2019? And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I could do that. And then somehow I was like, and I could start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I started a podcast and it's been really, really cool to hear the stories of women and just hear the different experiences that they've gone through and the things that they've done. And I'm just really enjoying just hearing the stories of women and giving Mm -hmm. them a place to share it. Cause one of the things that happened when I was doing the written process is that when I go back and forth with more questions at the end, a few of the people would tell me how um, therapeutic it was to share Mm -hmm. their story because they never had told anyone about their experience. And so Mm -hmm. 
for that reason alone, it's I think that's like the the coolest reward is that women who have served in the military who've never told anyone really about what they've went through are getting it. <laughs> sorry, are getting a chance to do that, and so it's been it's been really cool. So it just launched in January, so mm-hmm. it's pretty new, but I'm really excited to see where it goes. I loved it. I, I just listened to the episode with the um, retired Navy Lieutenant Commander. Her story is really interesting. Obviously, it resonates with me being attached to the Navy. Um, but just so cool. I mean, it, and what's cool about it is that you are getting those those experiences that people don't necessarily talk about um, publicly. And that's part of the reason I podcast, too, is that there are just you know, I always find it interesting that we end up having really interesting conversations sometimes when like me and my podcast guests, when the microphone is off, you know, <laughs> we have all these like, oh, and then this happened. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm inching my way up to trying to get those kind of stories <laughs> onto the podcast. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, they need to get out there because I feel like there's power in getting those experiences spoken and shared Um just, I think it makes a difference in people understanding, you know, who is a woman veteran, you know, and, and what are the issues around being a woman veteran, um, and being a women's service member. So, um, I think that's just so cool. Um, what are some of the key things or the more eye-opening things you think you've learned from some of your guests on the podcast? One of my guests who's coming up in a couple of weeks, she was a victim of, uh, sexual assault Mm -hmm. and her story she was able to like get away from the guy and Mm -hmm. so in theory it should have been like a good experience not a good experience but not that Mm -hmm. bad of an experience because she was able to get away but her leadership didn't support her and Mm -hmm. they actually like sided on the guy who assaulted her and just hearing her experience and being able to share like that story because I think that sometimes we hear things, but we don't understand, like, the impact. It's not just the assault. It's, like, how the leadership takes care of the people who are in those situations. And I think Mm -hmm. some of those stories aren't being told. And then I also got to interview a Vietnam veteran, and -hmm. that podcast story is already up on the podcast. And she got to talk about what it was like to be a woman during the Vietnam War she didn't go mm-hmm. overseas, but she was still in the service. And um, just to hear, like, some of the things that happened to her and how she wasn't wanted there because she was a female. And just to hear the, like, experience from what happened during Vietnam to what's happening present day and just anywhere in between has been really a cool experience. Yeah. Wow. That I can't wait to listen to that. I need to jump on there and listen to that episode because, yeah. you know, I mean, having worked um, with the military, I've obviously I worked very closely with someone who's a Vietnam veteran and you don't get a lot of stories out of Vietnam veterans sometimes because they're a little bit too powerful and a little bit um, too overwhelming. But when you do, it's like, wow, you just, it blows your mind. And I can only imagine what the perspective was of a, of a woman serving in that time. What a great thing to, I look forward to listening to that. Yeah. When I, when I did the 31 day series, my uncle is a Vietnam veteran and he sent Mm -hmm. me the best care packages. So like I knew that his story like was good. And Mm -hmm. when I sent him the initial interview questions, he was like, 
no, I hated it. It was horrible. It was like, and I could tell there was like a lot of hurt. So I kind of stepped back and said like, thank you for filling it out, even though your answers were kind of horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand like what you're going through. And so I'm not going to press you and like, and like it took about three or four months. And then he actually was like, I reread the questions that I answered and they were horrible here's my real answer. And his interview is just so powerful. And the stories that he had from his experience, I just never would have known. So. Wow. That is so cool. That is such a great testament to just kind of the power of this medium anyway. Um, it's just so cool. Um, so what are your future plans now? Like what are, what are you planning to do? Are you planning to continue the podcast series? Are you doing, are you just continuing to build on your blog? What's next for you? I'm planning to continue the podcast. I want to do at least 52 interviews this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just reached out to a few other women who have asked, and I'm going to start recording again. And so I I want to keep the podcast going and just continue to share the stories. And then I've been kind of um, – I'm not blogging as much on my blog. I've been mm-hmm. doing more freelance writing work. So mm-hmm. I've been writing for Military Spouse Magazine and Military mm-hmm. Family Magazine and, like, uh, Military Wife and Mom and a few other places. So I've, I'm trying to use other platforms, <coughs> other, <clears throat> other platforms to share my message and to make it so, like, people like you find me. Because <laughs> if I hadn't written from her, then you might not have ever connected with me. And so I still write on my blog, but it's more focused on, like, the podcast right now and sharing the interviews of women that I've com- I've collected in the past who don't – I have a few people who wrote who didn't want to be – who wanted to be anonymous. And so mm-hmm. I'm sharing their story written on the blog. And so mm-hmm. that's where – it's kind of shifting its focus. Wow. I'm going to throw a ringer question at you and ask you um, if there is one thing that you would say, like you want people to get out of the, the effort and the love and the energy that you're putting into putting these stories out there. Like what, what do you want people to, to know or learn or feel after they've connected with your blog or your podcast? I just want people to know that women are making the same sacrifices that men are making. The Mm -hmm. women veteran community at large feels forgotten and um, not disrespect. I don't know how to say disrespected, but it's like sometimes people, well, people assume that your husband serves and not you. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing, but it's just that, People will ask my husband about his military experience and they'll know I serve too and they won't ask me. And so mm. I want people to know that we're more than just secretaries and, <laughs> you know, and nurses right. and not that like being a nurse is a bad thing. So I'm not trying to like, I'm just saying no. that I feel like people have like general stereotypes of what women yes. do and they don't understand. Even like a nurse, I don't even know what a nurse does in the military because I don't know enough about that career field, but that's kind of people have this general idea of what women do, but they don't actually ask them what they do. And so (laughs) I want people to know the stories and the challenges. And like I was on combat tours in Afghanistan and my husband hasn't deployed, but people always ask him about what was your experience in the military? Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. 
He, I mean, he does really cool stuff, but <laughs> I don't really know what it is because right. he's an engineer and it's way behind. I'm an engineer too, but not that kind of engineer. But, <laughs> um, and so I just want people to know like our stories and know that women, women do the same thing. And there's been a lot of, I'm rambling now, but there's no. been a lot of articles in the last few weeks about there was an op-ed done by a woman who hasn't served in the military about how women shouldn't be in the combat units. And her analysis was so off base and so incorrect that it was frustrating. And even though there were men who wrote like counter arguments about how, why women should be in combat units, it just shows like the general public doesn't understand when Mm -hmm. there's an op-ed on the wall street journal talking about like why women shouldn't be in combat units. And like every reason she listed didn't even make sense for someone mm-hmm. who served in mm-hmm. a deployed environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that right there is one reason, a big reason why what you're doing and what you're putting out there is so valuable because it's just there more and more. I realize people just don't, the general public, the general civilian population don't necessarily know what we we go through uh, in, in the military community. And, um, you know, they, they have a lot of very big preconceived notions and biases about what, what it means. And, and, um, you know, they assign certain characteristics to you, I guess, whether you're a spouse or a veteran or, you know, and then maybe in your case, like you're saying, they don't, you know, they don't look at you as like you're a combat veteran, (laughs) you have been deployed, you know, that's an amazing thing. And the fact that they would assume your husband was that versus you (laughs) is just the testament to all of that gender stereotyping is very alive and well. So I love what you're doing. I'm so glad that you're, you're doing it. So tell people how we um, can connect with you. Like what's your URLs and like, how can people get a hold of you? Well, my blog URL is airmantumom.com, which is T-O, not the number two. Mm-hmm. And then um, if you go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, it's Airman to Mom for all of them, I guess, and Pinterest too. So, <laughs> and then the podcast is called Women of the Military and it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and like five other platforms. So if you have your favorite podcast program, just look up Women of the Military and then it'll show up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I really appreciate your time and I love your story. And I I know other people will just absolutely love your story as well. So thanks for taking the time today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to another great episode. And thank you, Amanda, for sharing your story with us this week. I want to mention that if you are in Washington State, you can publicly testify this Thursday, February 21st at 3.30 p.m. in the House Appropriations Committee for House Bill 1328 regarding military spouse employment. If you have questions, shoot me an email at jamie at soandbecoming.com. Remember, I'm publishing a new episode every Tuesday. The show is now available on nine different platforms, including iTunes. So make sure to check out soandbecoming.com to see which platforms you can listen on. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and my Twitter handle is at UNB Podcast. So please let me know you're out there. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you join me next time on So Unbecoming. Bye for now.